I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. Here's the fangirls on Jackalope Radio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this special episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me tonight is my lovely and talented co-host, Rachel Moore. Fangirl beta, go! (laughs) And uh, this would be, um, I guess, volume three in our ongoing Dark Shadows coverage, and this is the pentacle. I think we really liked it or something. I, you would think, you would think, um, maybe we, uh, I think we are partial to this film, I would say. Um, so with that being said, this is the pentacle episode. This is the biggie because I have seen the movie and, um, this weekend I was, had the pleasure of going to Los Angeles, going to see the screening and then getting, uh, to meet the cast and crew. And be a part of um, the giant press junket uh, that they did for the film. And I have audio from that to share with you. And um, hopefully the quality will be good considering I was a foot away from everybody. It was, a ra- it was uncomfortably close would be the best description I can say for this. Um, but to, on to the movie itself, uh, uh, it will be, um, well, it starts tomorrow, uh, as of this recording being uh, aired, uh, tomorrow will be uh, D-Day as it is, DS Day. And uh, I have to say, I absolutely love the movie, which is not a surprise to many people, including Rachel. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, um, I had, I, it wasn't that I doubted the um, Tim Burton and Johnny Depp and what they were going to do. I just didn't know how they were going to do the film in terms of how they retold the story because you are limited. And I actually posted my review just a few minutes ago um, on the, on the web scene, but you're limited in what you can, can put into this. um, It's a serial. It's a soap opera. It's a full length series. You had 1200 some odd episodes of the show. And, like they did with House of Dark Shadows, you had to condense a very convoluted and um, very intensive storyline into an hour and a half. Well, and it being a daily soap, it, it it definitely moved at a very slow pace sometimes. Right. And so there's a lot of backstory, not to mention parallel universes and remake. Well, and the, the, the problem is, and, and this is what suffered with House of Dark Shadows, um, which was due to a lot of cuts that were made by the studio, and it pared it down very, very much so. Um, and hopefully, as I said in the review, we'll be getting a lot of that content back in the Blu-ray release because I know they have the footage. But what what was the problem with what my main problem was with Dark Shadows itself was the fact that you didn't have a lot of the backstory, so the characters sort of just are there. And if you aren't familiar with the soap opera and the original series, you can be given the feeling that, oh, well, this is sort of just here. Uh, what am I, why do I give a crap about this person or this person? So well, it'll, be, it'll be interesting because I, I have watched Dark Shadows. I've watched uh, quite a bit of it, but not as much as you or for as long as a lot of the diehard fans. So I'm kind of interested once I finally get to see it this coming week about how much I will notice or not notice that. Well, the one thing that I really, it didn't hit me until afterward because I was so on the high of actually finally seeing this movie um, was the fact that one major point that 
was a, a, a central figure in the whole Barnabas Josette Maggie Vicky um, insert girl that he decided is going to be Josette here um, <laughs> is was the music box and that is not in the movie I'm just going to diehards just deal with it it's it's not there but in terms of this take on the story it's not missing as much you you know how they've done this is very i love how they did this mythos the mythos of josette and barnabas how they did it was beautiful i really really liked it so you will not be missing the music box it took me until the end to realize oh yeah where was that so and that that makes sense and now why the um because that was such a big integral part of of the soundtrack to uh through the series that tune um why elfman didn't use that in his score because it wasn't uh you know the 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 focus is as it normally was in that whole thing so but keep in mind elfman's score is absolutely freaking gorgeous and you should buy it and listen to it over and over again because it is absolutely beautiful and it um bob corbett's Music lives again within that score. So I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so with that being said, uh, what else did I like about the movie? Uh, Johnny Depp was possessed of Jonathan Fred. And I really loved his performance in this. And he, his Barnabas is probably now my favorite character he's ever played. Uh, even more so than the Hatter. And Rachel knows how big of a Hatter bitch I am. <laughs> But his Barnabas is another example of Johnny taking the strengths of other roles that he has done and then putting a new, just Barnabas is sort of something he's never really done before. He's an anti-hero. He's heroic in some aspects, but he's still a monster. I mean, he eats people. There is (laughs) like very much mass slaughter going on in a couple of parts of this. And, he um, has no qualm with taking you down if you have wronged him or his family. And it's, when he gets intense in this, it's he brings forth that fiery, dark eyes of doom anger that he did so well in Sweeney Todd. And you add to that so, the ferocity that is a vampire, and it's just amazing I, to watch. I wanted to ask you, and honestly, like, try and be objective. I know it's Johnny. But try and be objective because something that I was concerned about, and I know you, I read your review and I read that um, they played up the comedy in the trailer where it's not that much. But I have this, my feeling from the trailer was that there was too, there was more Captain Jack Sparrow than I expected in the character and not as much Frid as I expected. And Absolutely not. Do you think it really did balance out? Yes, it did. He has there's no jack sparrow in there that i i saw i mean he really did channel fred like with the the whole he there's no weeble wobbing there's no femme aspect to him at all he's not a drunkard he is a very stolid very royal bearing creation you know he's very suaveness he brought the suaveness. He's very, um, very much the lordly guy that um, he should be, you know, like Frid brought to it, like the old yeah. fashioned, I'm going to kiss your hand, um, ladies maybe first. It has to do with maybe the amount of time they had, because I know one of the things I liked when Barnabas shows up on the TV show is he doesn't show up going, oh, what fell sorcery is this? He shows up going, okay, I've gotten with the program and I'm working in the future. And in the trailer, it didn't seem that way, but I wasn't sure if that was just a timing issue or... No, what what it was in in the show was he just... It it made no sense that he would so instantly take to everything. So Mm -hmm. what they did here was they showed how oddball it truly would be i mean the absurdity is you've got this guy that's been locked in a box for 200 years introduced to this world of the 70s which is absurd on its own (laughs) um and and i mean that's where the comedy comes from is just and it's and it's sort of like with um 
you know, and what Tim Burton gave, told the, the people to watch and, and gave when they were getting ready to start filming was Dracula 80, 1972. And there's one other film to give that, you know, paradox, the, the paradox of you've got this ancient vampire in the middle of 1970s schlocky. And I mean, the whole, the whole time frame is he would be horrified by this god awful crap around us because we're horrified when we look back at it and go what were we thinking what there was a lot of drugs going on in the 70s <laughs> so it's there's no jack sparrow he is just this you know it's it's funny because it's absurd and no matter what it would be and so that's where the comedy comes into play and sure. it's not just him being funny it's you know michelle pfeiffer has some great our you know one-liners in there and johnny lee miller is hilarious just because he's a dumbass in it i mean he's he admits he's an idiot <laughs> and and it's it's just there's some great parts too with willie you know and uh angelique just her just a complete awesome bitch it's so great um eva green actually nearly steals the movie she almost steals the movie from johnny i mean they're equally badass in this it's it's great close to flawless as i think a person can do she's she's really good and um i mean he it's right uh like i and the if read the review it's a long review but i tried to encapture everything that i got from this film I did leave out um, because it, it did get rather lengthy, um, but I felt that you know people expected that out of me on this one. Um, the uh, you know, come on, I've been talking about it for what a year. Um, the uh, Seth Graham Smith uh, did a great job for someone who had to ram as much as he could into this uh, feature length film i think he did a great job um you know getting the 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 heart of the the series in here with the barnabas storyline and just the the scenes that he created and the spin he put on some of this was great i really really liked it um it's no secret from the trailer that angelique has a rival fishing company and i love that you know, as a woman, she progressed through the years and, you know, stuck around because she's as old as Barnabas um, and sort of killed the Collins family off using the business, which was their their pride and joy and and how they just um, became the this decrepit family of, of freaks living in this decaying mansion that was pretty much the soul of the family and it shows how they decayed and that's just beautifully done and um that's also goes props to the set designers and everybody that put all this thought into this film it really is beautifully done and handled and burton is an artist with it uh the set design is great i can't say enough about that tentacle cat that tentacle um chandelier that's in in the house it looks like it really does belong in like some HP Lovecraft nut jobs mansion. It's so cool. <laughs> so um, I really, really love the movie, and um, I uh, I didn't like I said I gave it an A minus um, because there were parts that really it's it's just a matter of time. You can't cram all of it in there. You can't give the meat to the characters I'd love to see because that would require a three and a half hour long film. And you're not going to get that. Sadly, I would watch well, it. It just seems like Burton isn't interested in doing like, movies with sequels. <laughs> I, I, well, they're already talking about a sequel to this. See, and that's where I wish if you know that because you know it's going to be a big hit and if it is, why not flesh things out and be more of a sequel? But, well, you know, I haven't seen it yet. I'm still I'm trying not to get too excited because you get too excited and then it builds it up too much. And Well, I and, and I can't I want to see it again just so I can see the stuff that I missed. And and, you and really, me midnight, really baby. Yeah, we're doing a midnight and I want to see it on Mother F and IMAX. Because it is IMAX and it's gorgeous, 
and it will be pretty and it's not 3D. Keep that in mind. Burton told them no. He did not want to do this in 3D um, and thankfully he didn't and uh, it looks gorgeous without it. So, I mean, it, it's, I can't wait to see it on an IMAX screen, huge, so the detail comes through because it really is a pretty movie. I mean, it, it, and if, you, if I had to compare it to a previous Burton work, Sleepy Hollow. In tone and look, in, in quality, Sleepy Hollow, which is one of my favorite Burton movies ever. Because it really does harken back to that um, just dry wit and lots of ways. There's some slapsticky stuff, but so was Sleepy Hollow with like the blood in his face and things. So, yeah, I would say that Dark Shadows is a win for Burton and company. And um, I know that our guest tonight uh, would agree with us. So, um, and if you didn't know um, and didn't see what I said before when I announced it, Catherine Scott. Maggie Evans herself, Dark Shadows Royalty, will be joining us tonight to talk about Jonathan Frid, mm-hmm. God Rest His Soul, and um, Dan Curtis, and uh, Dark Shadows, the film, her, her works, which are um, um, impressive alone with uh, her, all the books that she's produced um, through Pomegranate Press, and uh, Dark Passages, which is her new work, which is a fictional book which is based in her reality um, of filming Dark Shadows, but the main character herself is a vampire who's an actress. So it's <laughs> very cool. Um, so we will have her on uh, in a few minutes. But first, um, I would like to let you all in on some of the press conference. And um, I hope the audio, like I said, works out for you, for us. Um, we have, well, I have about um, five five spots that I would like to um, share with you and I'll, I'll tell you what, what these um, concern um, before we play them. I, I, uh, I saw a picture that you put up that showed that you were like a foot and a half away from Johnny Depp. I mean, there are, there are a few people that could get me to go like completely gaga, like God is Matt can't talk. I don't <laughs> even know how you asked him a question. I don't know how you did it. Uh, it was hard. Actually, <laughs> it wasn't. He's um, he is so nice and such a amazingly warm person, and just so at ease with everybody and everything that he puts you at ease. So it, it he's laughing and cracking jokes every other word. So you really don't feel like gobsmacked. I mean, at first, I was a little like, wow, it really is Johnny Depp, because I <laughs> literally was on top of him. I mean, not like in the, oh, God, she to be arrested since, but they moved us that close to them, <laughs> and um, it was uh, him and Danny Elfman were the two closest to me, and uh, I don't know why they felt the need. They added another row in the room, and it just pushed us all right up against their um, the, the table, so... That's um, why the quality of the audio is probably as good as it is because basically I just laid my my recorder right next to his microphone without having to get out of my seat. Um, but it was uh, yeah, it was amazing, and uh, they were all just they were all there except for Helena Bottom Carter because she is filming, I believe, at this point another film. Um, but uh, it was uh, it was a great experience, and Johnny Depp is as nice and um, just cool as you would think Johnny Depp would be. So, yeah, I met him <laughs> <laughs> finally after all these years. Uh, so, yeah, it was uh, it was a great experience, and I um I wouldn't trade it for the world. And uh, getting to see the movie with uh, in in the Grauman's Chinese Theater was a great um, experience too. I'd never seen a movie there, so that was pretty cool. That's uh, like the Palace of Hollywood, really, um, Grauman's was. So, um, I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was a great time. So, yay. Um, but with that, yay. So, um, with that, we'll, uh, we'll get to these, uh, the press conference clips. I think you guys will get a kick out of these because uh, you get to hear the jokes and, and uh, the, the goofy banter that is Tim Burton and Johnny Depp sitting next to one another and playing with their microphones. 
So <laughs> it was, it was, uh, they need their own set com, really. I mean, I would watch it. Just the two of them. I mean, they wouldn't need anybody else. Just put the two of them in a room together and it would probably be entertaining. <laughs> so without further ado, let's get to the press conference stuff and then we'll get to our special guest, Catherine Lee Scott. And um, away we go. Yes, sir. The hot dogs at our concession stand do rate an appreciative whistle. I think he wanted to play this ever since you were a little boy. Just a wee tyke. <laughs> I mean, that's true, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, I'll do this too. Yeah. I mean, you knew Barnabas Collins before you knew your own father, didn't you? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's one of those kind of things where uh, you know, the show had a lot of impact. I mean, for some of us, I mean, Johnny. Michelle and I were, you know, kind of there at the time when it came out. So just, you know, we just recall it being a very strong, interesting property. But yeah, so I think something with Johnny that he's had for a long time. Okay, first question. There, that's good enough. Okay, so the next question, and one, two, three, four. So this next question um, that was asked was, how did Johnny want Barnabas to come across on screen? And here's his response. Um, you know, kind of gentleman um, whose curse in the uh, 18th century and is brought back to uh, probably the most surreal era of our time, 1970s, 1972, um, you know, how he would react to things and, you know, how, how radically different um, things were, not just in, with regard to technology and, you know, automobiles and such, but I mean, you know, actual, you know, items of kind of enjoyment for people like that rocks. Uh, fake flowers and plastic fruit and troll dolls and <laughs> lamps. Um, yeah, that was the kind the important of important things in life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so um, kind of an add-on to that was the fact that Michelle Pfeiffer and her macrame owls were being sold in the lobby of the hotel <laughs> this was something you held up. So, uh yeah that 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 kind of went on for a little while michelle and her macrame owls so um a woman so after this, my own heart yeah yes i apparently so it would seem um michelle pfeiffer and her macrame i think they actually said something at one point that some of the macrame in the show in the in the film was actually hers <laughs> which awesome. is kind of kind of terrifying Kind of terrifying. Um, so this next bit, uh, what the question was, um, what do what is appealing about vampires? And the other question that was asked along with this, what to Johnny and Tim was the fact, what Johnny, which character that Johnny had played in his entire career would he rather, would he choose to live the life of, for the rest of his life? And I um, was not question, actually. Well, I was not surprised by his response, so you can just take a guess at what he said, and then um, then I'll I'll play the clip <laughs> and see if your guess is right. I I don't know. And the American accent that was a big challenge, and I did get fired. these erotic 
uh, nature of, of, of the vampire and this, you know, the idea of un the undead. And uh, uh, I suppose, I mean, what was most interesting in terms of Barnabas was the idea of the, the combination. It was a real challenge, probably more for Tim than, than me, uh, is to make that guy, that vampire, clearly a vampire, fit into, you know, back into this odd society and this, and this, and this uh, you know, dysfunctional family. And, you know, I think he did it, you know, rather seamlessly. So there you have it. Johnny Depp would be the Earl of Rochester. <laughs> the Earl of Rochester. And be Michael and Jackson, what? And if you heard me cackling like a lunatic when he said that, it was probably me cackling like a lunatic when he said that. Because <laughs> I kind of knew that was what he was going to say. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, no, he didn't pick Doc Captain Jack. He picked the guy that died of syphilis. Yeah. <laughs> and he lost his nose. And he lost his nose and uh, control of his bladder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good times. If, if those of you who are listening don't know what the hell we're talking about, you need to go watch The Libertine. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I just don't know about you, Johnny Depp. I don't know. You picked the guy that died of syphilis. Um. So the next question um, was actually asked of both uh, Seth Graham Smith, and I hope I'm saying his name right. I, I wasn't sure. Um, and uh, also uh, Tim Burton, and that was uh, how it worked bringing this to uh, the screen on the screenplay side of things and um, the work that went into that, as well as who the new family of Collinses was because of what happens within the first bit of the film. If you go by the fact that, you know, um, in this new movie, Barnabas is the only child supposedly of Joshua and Naomi. Hmm. So how did they have offspring when he was in a coffin for 200 years? So this is the answer. And there we go. Next question right here. Um, my question actually is for Tim and for Seth. Um, in terms of going through whatever, 2,000-some episodes of Dark Shadows, um, how do you kind of pick out what are the key points? And also uh, a question of kind of about the origin for the, for the new Collins family, because if the family's dead back in 1750, I was wondering... Who are these Collins? Where do they come from? They're cousins. They're cousins. They came over to uh, take advantage of uh, what Barnabas and his family built after everyone was dead. European inbreeding. European inbreeding. Well, we, we started watching episode one, right? Tim and Johnny and I sat down. And we just well, it is. Well, I mean, like Barnabas didn't come into it to like, what, the second? 300 yeah. episodes in. Yeah. 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 You can't sit down and watch 1,250 some odd episodes of a show, so... You know, when I went into it, yeah, exactly. Um, when I came into it, I was lucky enough to, you know, there had been materials that were given to me, you know, DVDs of compilations that actual Dark Shadows experts had put together, like, these are the several moments, and I was given books of characters and plot lines and just studied them, and then really, you know, I remember we had our first meeting, Tim and Johnny and I just sat around a table and just started talking about the things that they loved about the show, and and talking about moments that, you know, would be fun to explore and characters. And I remember that first meeting, like, Johnny was already, like, getting up from the table and sort of pantomiming the, the rigidity of Barnabas. And, and Tim was already talking about, well, what if your fingers were a joint longer? And then that, you know, Johnny started to then mime touching things. So a lot actually was born in those early meetings early on. And, and when I needed, you know, to know about the tone of the... I relied on them because, you know, they were they were there watching the show as kids and loving the show. And they, they still had that knowledge of it and that love for it over there. So I thought that was interesting to hear how, you know, you have to feel for the writer on this because <laughs> he really, you know, I don't know. I, I hope that he watched House of Dark Shadows because that was a good example of, of 
trying to cram at least one of the ma- ma- you know the, all these storylines together into one episode or uh, into one film, uh, and they kind of did that with Night of Dark Shadows too. Um, in one way, it was kind of an original take on things, but House really you know was the 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 blueprint I think they went by for this film because it yeah. was the vampire line. So the last clip I'm going to play is because I have to. It was a seminal moment in fangirl history. Was my question to Johnny Depp, <laughs> <laughs> and it was actually not just Johnny Depp. It was uh, Johnny and Johnny, so Johnny Lee Miller, because not really anyone was really asking Johnny Lee Miller any questions, which I felt, you know, this guy is amazing. Why aren't you guys asking? You're an interesting person. And he was dressed so cute. I have to I have to give props to his shirt. He had the coolest shirt on. It was white with these black vertical stripes on it. And he looked striking in it. Uh, so, yeah, he was all zero cool and in, in going on. Yeah. <laughs> For those who have watched Hackers. Um, this is the epitome right here. Let me find the clip. Um, but it was actually, I was getting kind of frustrated because there were so many people asking questions that had already been answered. So I wanted to find out myself. It, I had to fight for the question to be asked, but I wanted to find out about, you know, the Night Stalker because um, one beget the other. And right. uh, so uh, let me cue it up here. Okay, so here we go. Um, I was going to ask, uh, I have a question for both Johnnies. Um, for uh, Mr. Depp, how was it? Um, did you know my father. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, um, number one, Johnny. Uh, was the influence of Dan Curtis after working on Dark Shadows what caused you to decide you want to do the Night Stalker next? That's, again, it's another, it's another, you know, the winds of war. Yeah, that's next. <laughs> <laughs> Although I was thinking of throwing my name into the ring for Catwoman. This guy, that guy, that man half away. I'm sorry, I'm too upset to answer the question. Yeah, no, Dan, Dan, Dan Curtis, you know, you know, it has that sense of war. Yeah, the Night Stalker was another one that, you know, from Dark Shadows came, and, you know, sort of the Night Stalker appeared, and it was a show that I really uh, loved, you know. It was, you know, again, this, this you know, weird tone to it, but, you know, so it's a reporter becomes a kind of a detective, and, and he's, you know, the odd situation. You know. So, uh, I had one for Johnny. Johnny, Johnny, Lee. Johnny, Lee. Johnny Lee. Johnny Lee. Johnny Lee. Yes. Um, you've done an amazing job in the Frankenstein stage play, and now you've done an equally amazing job in Dark Shadows as Roger. Um, how do you like playing in the world of horror? Um, the neatest thing I liked about uh, Roger is he's So there you have it. Um, and for I know Johnny Lee came over a little little uh, low because um, he was talking away from his mic a little bit. Um, but basically, what he said was Roger is an idiot, and he really enjoyed playing him. <laughs> um, but he also was talking. Yeah, it was it was that's why everyone was laughing because he's he was really really funny. He um, he just was like, no, he's a moron. He, even when he he doesn't realize he's in a world of horror like everyone else would, even when he's being held up by his neck and being strangled. <laughs> he just doesn't know what's going on. 
Um, but he was uh, very funny. And then he was talking about the Frankenstein stage play, um, which is amazing and is going to be um, returning to theaters, which is part of the reason I brought it up during the interview because I wanted people to realize, hey, this guy does a lot of cool stuff. Um, June 6th, uh, back in theaters, um, and the Phantom Events uh, are re, uh, re-releasing it. And that also co-stars Mr. Man About Town, Benedict Cumberbatch. And uh, the cool thing is they switch roles, and they're naked. That's the other cool thing. <laughs> just just FYI. Um, but, uh, yes, I, uh, I also... I also like the you're going yay naked. Um, I also like the fact that Johnny Depp had my back. They were going to cut me off and not let Johnny Lee Miller have a moment. And Johnny Depp goes, "Hey, you had a, a question for Johnny Lee." I'm like, yes, I did. Thank you, moderator man. Blech. So when 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 Depp talks, you listen. <laughs> so. But um, those were um, some of the clips. Uh, I couldn't play the whole thing because it was 45 minutes long. And um, there was a lot of just stuff that, a lot of questions that they've already answered. Um, and I always have a problem with that at, at some of these things, especially at Comic-Con. Because it happens in the audience so often and people just groan at this point. Like, what's your favorite color? What was that favorite thing you did in that movie? <sighs> So, um, but I thought these were some good pieces of uh, information, and I liked hearing about how so soon in the process they started developing the Barnabas character's look and and movements, even. So I thought that was that was interesting. So Rachel, are you excited to go see the movie tomorrow night? I am super stoked! Ha <laughs> ha! Actually, we'll be seeing it tonight at midnight. That's what we'll be doing. And I won't say a word. I'm not going to spoil anything. I was a very good person about the Avengers, which was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, um, and I didn't spoil any of that for anyone, especially even with people I went and saw it the second night after with no sleep for 48 hours. <laughs> I am insane. Um, but uh, yes, I will not spoil anything. And if you want to read my review on fangirlmag.com before you go see the movie, it doesn't have any spoilers in it either. So, um, with that, this was um, possibly our final Dark Shadows episode, at least this year. There's no way. I, I still haven't <laughs> seen this movie. I give my two cents. Okay, so next week we'll have Rachel's reaction to Dark Shadows. Um, and also next week, uh, we have a very special guest who I am very excited to have back with us. Um, actually, I've talked to him, but we haven't had him on the show. And that is Mark Miller, who is uh, the right hand of Clive Barker. And uh, Mark is going to talk to us about what all Clive has going on. And um, also the Occupy Midian movement, which is a, a movement by fans to get a release of the full director's cut of Nightbreed. Um, as well as the rumored television series. So with that, um, I want to thank you guys for uh, joining us. I know we went over, but it was worth it. And you can also get all of this on the archive um, when it goes. So with that, um, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. And we'll be having our special guest, Catherine Lee Scott, here shortly. So we will see you next time on Fangirl Radio. to Fangirl Radio, um, a member of Dark Shadows Royalty in the form of Catherine Lee Scott. Um, we are happy to have you here, ma'am. We are so happy to have you here. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so what's well, a fangirl? 
fangirls um we are uh the we are the female equivalent of what would be considered the fanboys of the world but we uh we've started this as a as a radio program to show that the girls know as much as the guys and in a lot of cases a lot more um <laughs> in terms yeah, of genre love of horror of, of science fiction just anything good entertainment wise comics books um fantasy, fantasy uh just if it's good, we like it, and we will learn as much as we can about it. We discuss it, and we share it with the masses. Well, that's wonderful. Well, and you've already seen Dark Shadows, so you know that wonderful line that Bella Heathcote says. Remember when Michelle Phillips asks her if there should be equality between the sexes? Oh, yes. I love that line. <laughs> Isn't that I, I've wonderful? Just, that, that is yeah. a great line. No, because then men would, wouldn't know what to do with themselves. <laughs> Like, right. <laughs> oh, there's a there's a couple of good lines in that movie. I love that Bella gets to to say, and I absolutely love the one of um, it, it was so soapy but so smooth when when he tells her out on the balcony. And this this isn't a spoiler, guys, because this was out there on on one of the clips. But he, my dear, you'll catch your death. Well, I've already caught the only thing that matters, Barnabas, your eye. <laughs> and it's like, oh. Yes. Oh, is- and I know. It's wonderful. Now, now, what did you really like the most about the movie? Oh, um, I, we, I, Rachel and I discussed this a little bit at length before we brought you on, but I, I really love the fact that they, Johnny just nailed it. I thought he did a great job with that character, and they, and I loved um, that he, the the way they took the Josette and Barnabas myth and the the changes that they made to that were so beautiful. I mean, the the story was already great, but just the visuals and 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 that whole switch up with that. Um, I, I can't say it because it will spoil it. But I'm so just, jealous. You've already seen it. I can't even tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but I really love that. How come you didn't see it? How come only one of you saw it? Well, Jessica's fam, fangirl prime, and I'm her sidekick, so she'll she'll, oh. she'll take me and spoil me at the at the midnight showing. So. I'm I'm, uh. I'm fangirl alpha, I guess, in a way. Um, <laughs> I really like that, and I love that they kept the the core of the show and and um, the heart of the show. I thought and. Uh, intact with what they did with it, um, and they put a Tim Burton spin on it all. Yes, uh, so. I, I, lo- I really enjoyed the movie, too. And David Selby, Laura Parker, and I watched it together last night. And what was really fun is that after the premiere, after we walked the red carpet and saw the movie, we went to the after party, which was amazing because everybody was there, Chloe Moritz and, and Michelle Pfeiffer and Tim Burton. And then Johnny Depp got up on stage and uh, Alice Cooper was playing, and there's Johnny in the back playing the guitar. So the after party sounded amazing and looked great um, for the film, but I have to ask you, what was your favorite part of the movie? Oh, you mean aside from when the four of us walk through the door and greet Johnny? <laughs> that, that was, <laughs> that's that, not like a I secret said, either. Uh, that's not a spoiler because I think everybody <laughs> knows that. Um, there, uh, the... Um, uh, there were there were a number of moments. I have to say, I really enjoyed the gothic opening of the film, and uh, and I I think I I really enjoyed the romantic moments between uh, uh, Johnny Depp and Bella Heathcote. I thought that was, the the romance was wonderful, and uh, and I also enjoyed all the little vignettes when when Johnny is you know sleeping and trying to get comfortable. Oh, God, that was hilarious. The box part, I think, was my favorite. I, I, it was just wonderful, and it was, it was pure, purely inventive. Uh, I just thought it was, it was just completely delicious. I'm, I'm, you know, and that's what I was telling everybody was I really enjoyed how they kept the core of the movie uh, as what was in the series. And then they put the Burton spin, which was just the, the whole place. You were there on the set. How gorgeous was the Collinwood set in person? Oh, well, the Collinwood set was magnificent, and, and it was very reminiscent of a set that we had on, on uh, West 53rd Street in New York when we were filming the television series. It was very, very similar, uh, but it was massive and beautifully constructed, and then, you know, there was all of the, uh, the detail, the sculpture and everything, but it was very much as I think all of us imagined it would be 
you know, if, if it were the real thing. It was just beautiful. It was wonderful. And I know you, you've released another book through Pomegranate regarding uh, about the series, and you actually go through every in, uh, every uh, every version of the show that has been, including the the pilot that um, wasn't ever aired. Now, did you actually get to see that WB pilot? No, uh, you know, I did because they showed it at the Dark Shadows Festival, and it and it just did not work. And and it was a shame because they lavished a lot of money on it, but I, I think the director just didn't catch the right tone. And it's so important to catch the right tone. And uh, and one of the reasons why I wrote, uh, you know, Return to Collinwood, Dark Shadows, Return to Collinwood, is that I really wanted to capture the whole five-decade legacy of, of Dark Shadows. Uh, I mean, this new film is now part of that legacy, so... I, I wrote about the, uh, you know, the, the, the trip uh, to Pinewood and, and our work there. And uh, I, I love the book. It's beautiful. I oh, love thank the you so much. You... I'm, I'm just delighted. And, and the, uh, what I would really like to have you fangirls do is come to my book signing, which is going to be, uh, and I'll have some little surprises there, but the uh, book signing here in Los Angeles is going to be Wednesday, May 16th at 7 p.m. at the Barnes & Noble in the Grove and Farmer's Market. Do you know the Grove? I, I actually went there for the first time ever last weekend, or this, this previous weekend I went there, and it's beautiful. Oh, you it's did. All right. Place. Well, there's a big Barnes & Noble right in the middle, and they've got the most beautiful uh, place for, uh, you know, for book signings. And I'm going to be there talking, and I'm going to have a Q&A. I'm going to be signing books, and it's Wednesday, May 16th at 7 p.m. Do you promise to come? I'll, I, I don't know if I'll be able to, but I know I, our fans will that are in L.A. I, we will definitely oh, get Oh, I hope get, so, because uh, it'll, be, it'll be very special. I'll, I'll, I will have a few really nice um, surprises. Well, and... and- Catherine, I know that you're uh, you're busy as as you can get this week with with uh, just with the film coming out and everything. But I wanted to ask you before um, before we let you go, uh, Jonathan Frid's passing was just just a you know destroyed me and my sister. He we we loved loved him, and um, yeah. I just wanted to talk to you about Jonathan and if you can give us like some of your favorite memories of him and 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 because uh, we we absolutely adored him. And uh, he was a big well, part I'd, of my Well, I loved the man. I'd, I worked with him the very first day that he was on the show. And my favorite episode of all of the shows that I did with him, uh, and in fact, the, all of them on Dark Shadows, was really the episode when the two of us meet in the diner, uh, the Collinsport Diner, and we, and we bond. And I think that Dan Curtis saw the chemistry between us, and, and he created the love story uh, with, um, with Angelique. And, and, and it's just a, uh, and, and as a result of that, I also got to play Josette Dupre. But he was a lovely, charming, elegant, magical, uh, professionally trained actor who, who just was totally committed to creating the role of Barnabas and, and giving Barnabas, you know, uh, multi, multi layers, a lot of dimension. Well, and I loved the scene with the two of you together, especially in the, that you bring up the, the diner part, uh, he did that great, when you're turned around facing away from him, he had the most menacing stare, <laughs> like yeah. he wanted to eat you alive, that was just <laughs> great, he could he pull that off so well, And but he was such a gentle man, and, and I mean, he he was just great, and, and if, like I said, um, when I wrote that eulogy, it really was at, from my heart that we have on the site. Um, uh, he just, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have all these things that we have today. It literally would not have happened if it hadn't been for Jonathan Fred and for you. Yeah. I mean, you were the, well, the, thank you so much. I'm, I'm just, I'm just thrilled that our show has had such a wonderful impact on so many people and, and uh, over a couple of generations. And that's, that's another reason why I wrote Dark Shadows Return to Collinwood because, uh, all of those stories need to be uh, need to be remembered, and we were the kids on the show. We're we're now the uh, you know the old guard. <laughs> but you know you passed the torch and 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 you did it with class, and I loved it. So thank you for that. Yeah. And also, love Dark Passages. Great book. 
We, I was, oh, uh, talking. thank you. I'm so glad you <laughs> like that book. I'm at work on another one. So uh, you've made me feel very happy by saying Yay. that. Yay. Good, good. And yeah, you just sound love- absolutely delightful. I'm just so glad that you <laughs> rang me and, and, uh, and wanted me um, uh, for an interview. Oh, we, we love you here. We're honored that you're here. <laughs> we, oh, we well, thank you, thank you, thank you. And totally uh, so you can Jason. call me another time. We'll chat another time. Just send me an email. And, uh, and then I, I'm just hoping that a lot of your, your uh, fangirl uh, cohorts <laughs> will come to the book signing on May 16th at Barnes & Noble in the Grove at Farmer's Market. You know, that's the place where Mario Lopez does his... Um, does his show? Do you know who that is? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. He does his show there, right in front <laughs> of Barnes and Noble. Link up on the website for you too. So oh, we totally will. Know. We totally will. Oh, I will. I, I wonderful! Have I have right, a lot you of gals take care and uh, and keep up the good work. We totally will, and thank you, Catherine. You too. You keep that. Okay. Keep up with the, the writing. You are amazing. So thank, <laughs> thank you, you so very much. much. All right. Take care. Right. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. I read somewhere where every person has a theme of music. Well, this is mine. When I'm alone, depressed, I can play this, and suddenly I'm, I'm not in this room or this house. I'm free somewhere, somewhere exciting. Shall I tell you where you are? Why not, Magda? Tell me where I am. Shadows of the night Falling silently Echo of the past Calling you to me Haunting memory Failed in misty glow Phantom melody Playing soft and low In this world that we know now Life is here Then gone But somewhere in the afterglow Love lives on and on Dreams of long ago Meet in rendezvous Shadows of the night Calling me to you.